Hello, it's Andrew May, and welcome to the Performance Intelligence Podcast, Bite Size Edition. This is where we take a clip from a previous podcast and amplify it for you in a snack-sized format. Before we start this episode, I wanted to take a quick moment to ask a favor of you. Please open the podcast app you're listening on right now and hit the follow button. This really supports us growing the podcast and also helps continue to produce high quality conversations around high performance. You listen to us and we want to listen to you. So please also consider leaving a rating and review. Tell us what you love about this episode and what you'd like to hear more of. Give us some feedback as it really does make a difference to what we're doing behind the scenes. Optimize performance through adapting your physical, psychological, and emotional state. I hear this daily. I don't have enough time to downregulate. I'm too stressed to relax. Rubbish. In this bite-sized edition from episode number 107, where I have a discussion with Angela Poon, Ange asked me about how I teach people to downregulate in 30 seconds, in three minutes, and if they have more time, in 30 minutes. I love sharing these science-backed, yet very easy and practical methods to help people better manage their state. Let's talk about the 3 by 3 format. There's 30-second activities, which is about hurry up and relax. It's an oxymoron. There's three-minute activities, which is a performance moment reset. And then there's 30 minutes when you've got a little bit more time, and that's the double dip, where you get that parasympathetic activation and you get the psychological detachment. So let's start with the hurry up and relax. That's 30 seconds, Ange. It's all you need because so many of my busy clients, founders, coaches say, Maisie, I get all this stuff, but mate, I can't go on a three-day weekend to the Gold Coast, to Bali, to the hinterland. I don't have time. I go, yeah, 30 seconds. You've all got 30 seconds micro-recovery during the day. And, and this concept does come from sport. You see in between a game of tennis, a player will bounce the ball. My cricketers out in the middle of the pitch do what they call gardening. They get the cricket bat and they they pat the pitch. It does nothing on the pitch, Ange. There's three-ton rollers that do this. In rugby league, there's a scrum. All those examples is a drop in intensity where your body and brain gets time to reload, recharge, and go again. So we've got to do the same in the corporate world. The first one is a warm towel on the eyes. I often do this between virtual meetings, and I sometimes do this when I'm task switching all over the place. And task switching drains the brain. So the the science behind this, optometrists will recommend this for scratchy eyes. I, I got this number of years ago, I had a partner and she was doing this and I went, what are you doing? And she said, the optometrist said to do it. So when we stare at screens all day, that warm compressed, it helps open up what's called the obimium glands and that improves oil gland function. It increases oil flow into the eyes and it slows down that tear evaporation. I can just imagine it now. It's almost like a mini warm bath for your eyes. It sounds so relaxing. What's the others? Humming. Hmm. Number two is humming. That's interesting. Are you humming anything? Does it have to be a particular pitch or a tune? You might go Mary Poppins. Seriously, just anything for 30 seconds. And you're looking at me going, what? what? Humming also activates the vagus nerve. 
And that's that long nerve we spoke about that wanders from the brain all the way down your neck, through your chest and abdomen, and connects the brain stem to the body. When you activate the vagus nerve, it tells you everything is okay. It helps you that downregulate. It calms you as well. And it also brings on that parasympathetic nervous system activation. So your larynx or your voice box is close to your vagus nerve. So when you hum or sing, you naturally activate it. Try with me, Anne. Just hum. Go. It almost feels like the vibrations are giving your vagus nerve a massage. Andrew, tell us about the third tip. This one's called Panoramic Vision Reframe, and I borrowed this or adapted this from Dr. Andrew Huberman, the neuroscientist. So, Andrew, our eyes are actually a part of our brains. They're the only part that's located outside the skull, and it's closely linked to our internal stress levels. So having the eyes outside of our brain does two different things. One, it informs the rest of the brain, whether it's day or night, and that helps with that whole circadian rhythm. That, that, that body clock. And two, it allows us to process events at a distance and adjust our alertness and behavior accordingly. And Huberman explains that when we're under high levels of stress, especially if we're sitting at our screen, our pupils dilate, our field of vision narrows. And while we see things in a sharper relief, everything else becomes blurry. It's a bit like portrait mode on our smartphone. And this is called focal vision. And when you have focal vision, that also kicks in the sympathetic nervous system. So shifting to that panoramic vision, which is also sometimes called optic flow, it activates the parasympathetic nervous system. And Huberman recommends doing this for about two to 10 minutes a day. What I want you to do is just to stop, change focus, go panoramic, really aim for about a five to seven meter view if you can. So don't just stare at a wall. And Ange, what the research shows on this, panoramic vision allows us to see a bigger picture, it boosts reaction time, and it improves decision-making capacity. Are you planning an upcoming conference or company offsite? For the past 15 years, I've averaged speaking at over 50 events each year, and I still love presenting at conferences as much as I did when I first started. To explore the different presentations I offer on a range of topics and themes, including physical and psychological well-being, becoming burnout proof, connection and belonging. That's a new area I'm, I'm really enjoying presenting on. Neuroscience and behavior change, mental skills and leadership and culture. Or if you'd like to understand our fully integrated conference experience with pre-event diagnostics, activities throughout the agenda, including a morning wake up, energy breaks, team building activities, and digital resources to embed learning. To find out more information and to download a brochure, go to andrewmay.com slash keynotes. Those sounds really easy to implement, Andrew. What if we had a bit more time, the three-minute strategies? Let's go with my favorite, box breathing. Do you do box breathing? I do, if I'm feeling particularly nervous before a live event, for example. So box breathing is the strategy we use. You breathe in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, and then hold for four seconds. When I ask corporate groups this, Ange, who does box breathing? About half the audience will put their hand up. Where did you get box breathing from? And they'll go, oh, Navy SEAL, Jocko Willink, or I, I did this course and, and I know the paratroopers do it. Yes, they do it in the armed services, but guess where they got it from? Way, 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 way back in time. Yogis have been doing this in India for thousands of years, doing this box breathing. This is also called resonant breathing. Uh, and sometimes in the research, it's also called coherent breathing. So it's slowing that heart rate. It's diaphragmatic breathing. And it's anywhere between three and seven 
breaths per minute. This deep breathing increases attention levels. It positively impacts your emotions and psychological well-being. And I, and I just know this from experience. Your mental clarity, your energy, and your focus shift. And what's the second three-minute activity that to people can build do? on this? I call this deep breathing and imagery. Now, first of all, what is imagery? Imagery is multi-faculty. Because when I say imagery, a lot of people will go, "I can't visualize." Well, we know one in five, roughly nineteen percent of people, have what's called aphantasia. So that's an inability to close your eyes and think of images. Really? Yeah. Now, a lot of people who say, I can't do that, it's just that they haven't trained it. So if you do have aphantasia, that's okay. It's only one of your senses. We also have touch. You know, you have temperature, you have taste, you have feel. So it's a multi-sensory approach. A recent article in Ergonomics highlighted how the combination of deep breathing and mental imagery, it promoted recovery, specifically cardiovascular recovery in firefighters. So you can think of firefighters, and this was done in New York, who are going to multiple call-outs. They're not always fires, but it jacks your nervous system. So they've built into their training now this combination of breath work and imagery, and they were doing physiological samples wearing heart rate monitors, and they actually saw a huge shift in their physiology, which is a huge shift in downregulating by doing this activity. Now, like I've said a number of times in this podcast, you've got to do the reps and sets outside in a non-pressurized environment. So then when the alarms are going, you can put it into practice. Enhancing recovery helps with memory. Enhancing recovery helps with the ability to make decisions and respond. And enhancing recovery also makes your brain work better. So there's not many firefighters listening to this, but whatever your career is, a three-minute activity where you combine some breath work and imagery, and, and just on the imagery as well, close your eyes for me, Ange, mm-hmm. and I want you to feel the temperature on your skin. I want you to notice the sounds around you smell the different aromas in the room and I'm not just talking about the wizard (laughs) and I saw you doing that and you looking relaxed and calm I feel relaxed and calm and I noticed sounds and smells that I didn't notice before that when you do this more and more you can go into that place I can do the deep breathing and imagery before a big keynote and it totally shifts me from monkey brain. Uh, uh, what if I stuff up? What if I don't remember my lines? And it's like, oh, it's a happy place for me. It's a safe place. And it's a place where my physiology and my brain works for me, not against me. And you've got one more three-minute tip for us. Yeah, grounding. You know this one. Grounding or earthing, it means getting in direct contact with the ground. Because we all wear shoes. Like you've got beautiful high heels on today, Ange. But it's getting your feet off, it's your socks off, and getting your feet in contact with either sand or grass or just some natural environment. And there's loads of research around this as well. And Dr. Tom and I pulled this into our programs. Some of the benefits, it improves sleep, it normalizes cortisol levels, it reduces pain and inflammation. I know it's crazy just walking around bare feet. Reduces stress, there's greater recovery, your heart rate variability changes. It's also been shown in hospital settings to improve wound healing and just greater well-being and vitality. So it's literally taking your shoes off and connecting with a natural environment. So box breathing, imagery, music and grounding, those were three-minute activities. What if you had even extra times, the 30-minute activities that we can do? Well, when you do the 30-second and the three-minute activities... You're changing the relationship with your autonomic nervous system. You are then more productive. You don't walk around with that badge of fatigue, that that busyness badge we talk about, you know, how I, oh, I'm so busy. 
and you start to know, hey, I do have more time. So you actually reverse engineer this. Start with the 30-second ones. Just put those in. I don't care how busy you are. Squeeze a few of those in every single day. Then go to the three-minute ones. Do the reps and sets. When you're more skilled at that, then we can go to the 30-minute ones. The first one, Ange, this is so simple. It's called a power nap. What's a power nap? I do it here sometimes. Have you ever come into our office and you see two towels on the floor? I've always wondered what that was. That's me. Uh, when you guys aren't here, I'll often lie down and have a 20-minute power nap. Those are your pillows, are they? They're my pillows. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I just use that on the floor, and I've done this for years. If I wake up early and I'm exercising or doing whatever I'm doing, and it's a big day, and I've got to be on again in the afternoon, around two o'clock for me is a great time, I'll take a 20-minute power nap. In fact, a pilot named Andre Borschberg flew solo for four days, 21 hours, and 52 minutes from Nagoya in Japan to Hawaii in the world's first solar-powered plane. So four and a half days, nearly five days. And he only slept for 20 minutes at a time. He used power naps. It's crazy. Crazy, but it just shows how powerful that 20-minute recharge is. Now, why 20 minutes? You have five sleep cycles. And you go from stage one, light, into stage two, right down to that deep REM sleep. It takes around 20 minutes to get into stage two. If you go into stage three, the deeper wave sleep, if you've had that Sunday afternoon lying on the lounge, watching your favorite TV show in the sun, and you wake up 45 minutes and you feel really fatigued, it's almost like you've got jet lag, groggy, yeah, you're gone too long. So you just want to go that light phase one and phase two, power nap, awesome. That's the first one. What's the second one? Second one is moving meditation. And this is for all those people who are listening to this going, I've tried meditation. I went to the ashram. I did the course and they told me to sit still. But even Buddha in some of his teachings recommended meditating in other postures. I'm not good at sitting down. Does that surprise you in being still? (laughs) (laughs) But I've learned moving meditation really works for me much more than just sitting down. Now, there's two types when you look at the literature. One is extreme sports. This is not what I'm talking about now, but that is when you are shifted into an intentional state of mindfulness. If you're rock climbing, if you're jumping out of a plane, like a mate of mine, Robbo, does, every time I see social media, I'm like, you're crazy, Robbo. Or if you are snow skiing, you're going fast, and it's a great way to be present because you have to, because it's dangerous otherwise. But the one I'm talking about today is my adaptation of slow-moving meditation. And this is a shift in your consciousness while doing some simple movements. So you can do this and walk like a dog, even if you don't have a dog. So when I take Toby for a moving meditation walk, I'll do everything Toby does apart from pee on the fence. If you take a dog for a walk, they stop, they look around, they look at the environment, you're present. No mobile phone in moving meditation, no podcast in moving meditation. Why? It puts you into sympathetic nervous system. Stretch like a cat, swim like a dolphin, tap into that inner animal. So what I mean swim like a dolphin, go to a beach, a creek, a pool, don't wear your Garmin, Don't look at stroke rate. Don't look at heart rate. Just get in the water and play. So it's the art of moving and detaching psychologically, but you've got to make sure your heart rate still stays low. Otherwise, you're shifting into that sympathetic state. What this does as well, it drops your brainwave patterns when you're doing an activity that's slow enough with that slow heart rate. You say no podcast, but can you listen to some calming music during these slow meditations? Oh, yeah, I'll let you do that. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you have the discipline to not 
grab your mobile phone. And then check Insta whilst yeah, you're doing So you know what, for most people, don't. Just go and do it. Connect with the nature. Do you know there's birds when I do moving meditation? <laughs> well, what's your third 30-minute strategy? You're going to love this, Ange. It's called massage. Oh, I love massage. It's one of my favourite things. Most people say that. And then they say, but I'm too busy to do it. That, you know, do the stack, do the 30 seconds, do the three minutes, become more efficient, get in touch with your physiology, work with it, not against it, and you'll have time for a massage. My first learnings on this was as an athlete and working with athletes because you get regular massage as part of recovery. And the research shows massage, it improves flexibility, blood flow, it reduces heart rate, and it increases that parasympathetic activation. But all that aside... I just love going and getting a massage. And the, the lady I go to, I've been going to for a while, it builds in a lot of what we've spoken about. You go in there, you leave your mobile phone and reception. When you hop into the room, it's, it's relatively dark. She puts on music, your choice. No ACDC there. It's nice, relaxing music. She uses aromatherapy. She rolls a, a towel, just recognising this as I'm talking about it, a warm towel on your eyes. So it's a whole sensory overload when you're in there. It's beautiful. Hi again, it's Andrew, and I hope you really enjoyed that episode. We would appreciate if you helped to amplify the Performance Intelligence podcast by sharing episodes with your friends and with your colleagues by going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. This really does help get the message out to a wider audience, and I love reading the comments as well. If you'd like to know more about booking me as a speaker at your next annual conference or company offsite, or purchasing one of the books I've written, including MatchFit, or if you'd just like to receive my monthly e-newsletter, which is called the AM Edition, that has stacks of information specific to all things human performance, go to andrewmay.com. And we'll see you on the next edition of Performance Intelligence.